Hi everyone, my name is Jack Packard. I am a semi-professional video game enjoyer here for The Escapist. I gotta fix my hat. Fuck, man! <laughs> Hello, I am Nick Landra, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist. Today we will be talking about the games we've been playing, including Gears Tactics, Banner Saga, and indie game Ita. Possibly Ita. I don't know. And then over in the news segment, we're going to talk about backseat gaming, possibly the Snyder Cut, ugh, and the state of video game leaks. That's right, this is a big one. Hello and welcome. This is The Escapist Show. Okay, so first off, Nick, what games have you been playing? I usually go to you first just because I did the intro, and so it's like we're trying to bounce out who's talking when. Yeah, I know viewers want to hear from me more than you anyway. It's really true. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I've been playing the uh, Gears Tactics some more. I've been kind of working through it slowly. Uh, I think we we talked about it, what, two episodes ago? And I was saying I was was enjoying it. It's uh, my enjoyment's gone from here to maybe, maybe about here. Oh, it's it's a fun game. I, I love the combat of it, but the problem I'm having with it is like it's well, it's a problem I have with a lot of games nowadays where there's so much filler content. Why? Did, like, I hate, I hate, hate, hate that people that play video games kind of equate the amount of hours played to the value because developers then just spend all this time inserting all this extra stuff that destroys the pacing of a game. But I suppose wouldn't wouldn't you say that? that's part of it Mm. well so gears tactics it's like it's artificially extending the length of the game so you go through each story mission Mm -hmm. and then they have you go do these side missions which are like a few different objectives each time yeah sometimes they only have you do one mission sometimes you gotta do two if i had to do three i don't know if i'd continue after that because it's just (laughs) it breaks like the complete pacing of the story like you know i finished the boss fight you go do uh, another story mission. Then I had to do two side missions. Now I'm doing a story mission. Mm-hmm. Then I have to do side missions again to get to the next story mission. So much like my issue with Assassin's Creed, it's kind of like level gating almost. And I, I just despise that. Sure. So it's not terrible because the gameplay loop's fun and all that. And, you know, they provide a, a little bit of a challenge. But I wish I could do it at my own time. Mm. You know, if I just want to go through the story and then go do these side missions later to do like New Game Plus or something like that, great. But it's right now it's just kind of getting in my way of completing the game. Maybe we need to update the formula. Like it's not just like a dollar per hour, it's dollar per hour of fun. Yeah, so you know, thirty dollars worth of fun, thirty dollars worth of I hate this. <laughs> Listen, it's a forty hour game, but it's forty hours of suck. <laughs> yeah. That's how should market Assassin's Creed games. Get twenty hours of story, fifty hours of go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> Well, and I, I think that you're absolutely right, is developers do feel a kind of a, a, a consumer pull to make their game beefy. You know, we're, we expect 20 to 40 hours out of a AAA game. Mm-hmm. And because of whatever, because of how they manage their time or deadlines or expectations or internal management... They we end up getting a lot of filler, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think we have a unique perspective on it being people that cover games and we have to go through a new game like every week almost, you know, so you can't really sit back and like, oh, I mean, I'm only buying one game this month, so I want this game to last me a whole month. Right. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So I, I get it. Like, I get the consumer side of it. But 
even the consumers are getting sick of it, aka Assassin's Creed being a smaller game. But uh, the game I've been enjoying more, and the game that I, I picked up a while back and, and put down for, I don't know why, but uh, The Banner Saga, mm. which is developed by Stoic Studio. And if you don't know what that game is, uh, it's a... Oh, I've played it. You've played it? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, we, d- we did one of our very first previously recordeds on The Banner Saga. Yeah, I bought it on Switch a while back because it's perfect game to play on switch you know right before you go to bed and i just i love it i love the art style love the story love the uh combat's okay it's not the greatest art style is out of this world good yeah oh yeah i wish i could take that game and take every scene and just like plaster it around my apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> so i feel like i'm going through the adventure every time i walk down my hallway uh and then austin wintory's soundtrack too is, is just stellar for it and I can't remember why I put it down the first time. I think maybe it just got too difficult or something, because it is a pretty challenging game. Absolutely. But for whatever reason, like after playing Divinity Original Sin 2 a couple months back, like I've just been itching to play turn-based tactical games lately. Well, and if I remember correctly, it has been several years since I've played it, but if I remember correctly, one of my issues with the combat was there, there were very few ranged combatants, very few ranged options, and so like the... The turn-based tactical combat never felt like it always felt like I was losing. And maybe I'm just bad at it, but it, it always felt like a slog. I may not understand it that much either, but just like it seems like you're just <laughs> grinding down opponents the whole time. Um, and more of the strategy I've been yeah. pulling now is just, you know, making the opponents come to me instead of rushing in. Because that's kind of what I did before is just go to try to take out all the smaller guys as fast as possible and then go after the bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, like, there was a recent battle I took part in where one guy was, like, in the back of the map. So I sent all my bit characters back there. Sure. And then kind of just drew them into a circle and surrounded them and took them out. So I'm, I'm learning. Divinity taught me a lot about strategy games. Like, if you if there's a strategy game you need to play that'll make you every other strategy game easier, <laughs> Divinity Original <laughs> Sin 2 is the way to go. Well, like, do you ever do that on a video game is just pump it up to the hardest difficulty and, like, just try to play that for a couple hours, and then when you bump it back down to normal, it's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in games like the Banner Saga, it's just a difference of stats for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing? I've been playing the game Ita. Maybe Ita. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's I-T-T-A, and it is a twin-stick bullet hell boss rush game hmm. uh, with, uh, on the same line of Banner Saga, a beautiful, captivating art style, a an art style and a world aesthetic that is made specifically for me and no one else. <laughs> it is like, it's like the thing meets Adventure Time, where it has, like, adorable giant ghost demons and also a horrible black tentacle monster bursting through your dead mother. It's it's all the sort of beauty and horror that I love in the aesthetic. And the gameplay, it's, it's a twin-stick bullet hell game. So, you know, you fire guns and you dodge bullets. Easy peasy. So you started that on Today We Try. Have you continued with it then? I did continue with it, and then I stopped it. Uh, here, here's 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 the problem. Here's here's my issue. I I love the game. I think I think every little bit of me loves the game. The only issue I have is that it's a boss rush, and for those who don't know what boss rush means, it means that the only enemies that you will encounter would be considered bosses in any other game. There's no minions. There's no like fighting through the little guy to get to the big guy only bosses. And what that means is you have these 
incredible highs in the game and then nothing. Yep. And then incredible high and then nothing. I think that's what I noticed during your stream is that, and maybe it's continued on, there really wasn't like any exploration or anything, no secrets to find or... You know, you can go around, you can do stuff. I, I found like little micro stories, uh, like you can find a shepherd at one point mm -hmm. and the shepherd asks you to find a sheep and you find all of his sheep and they're dead and then you go and talk to the shepherd. Like there's little micro stories and there's little places to explore. Um, another issue I personally was having is with its art style, it was very hard to tell where I was going or where I was supposed to go. So like there, in some levels, doors were kind of obfuscated by the scenery. Mm. And so, yeah, I found myself getting lost a lot, not quite knowing where I should go next. Uh, I eventually found like kind of the next area. But then the other part is the because it's just a boss rush, the bosses are very, very hard. And so I hit a wall where I was kept dying over and over and over again to a boss. And then there was nothing else to do because <laughs> you needed to beat that boss. And so like uh, part of part of the thing that makes like a, a minion or a henchman encounter great is it is it helps smooth out the excitement throughout the game. You know, you can lower it down. Oh, you know, minion, 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 boss. Explore minion, explore minion, boss, explore, you know, it, it evens out that curve and with a boss rush game It is 100% or 0% So I'm guessing you didn't complete Titan Souls either. I wonder if I did complete Titan Souls. I might have Titan, Titan Souls is, is a little bit different. Not surprised you can't remember. No, I remember Titan Souls <laughs> uh, Titan Souls is a little bit different because Titan Souls also had an incredible gimmick to go along with its boss rush mm. which is you only have to hit the boss once and the boss can only hit you once. And so like the gimmick helps me a little bit, but I do remember like so much space in between the bosses. So maybe it's not really the lack of things to do. I think it's more like grinding down those bosses can get pretty boring after a while. Well, and if you don't have like a, a unique gimmick to push you forward to get to that next thing. Right, like Titan Souls had had almost a puzzle element to it. And so like once you figured out the puzzle element, you could do it. In uh, in Ita, it's it's just reflexes, and sometimes you're on, and sometimes you're off. Repetition and reflexes. Exactly, and when you when you're not feeling it. That's why I can't get into Souls games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and I usually love it, but like you know, in in your Dark Souls or in other games, if you're having trouble with a boss, you can just go around and do other bullshit, you know. <laughs> right, but then you always that that other boss is still in the back of your head, like, come here, bud, I'm gonna fuck you up today. <laughs> exactly, but but there's things to do. Yeah, right. You know, besides that one boss in a, in a boss rush, that's all you have, and so yeah, you can't progress until you finish that next one. Yeah, but I like overall, I still give it a very solid recommendation, and I I'm I'm am gonna go back to it. I just need a little breather because I ran up against a couple bosses that I cannot beat, uh, <laughs> but I still think it's gorgeous. You have a ghost cat. You, you have a ghost cat that follows you around and you can find a special statue that turns it into a fat ghost cat. 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. On to the news. Hey, Nick, your pal Shirley had some things to say about Backseat Gaming. Tell me all about it. Yeah, Shirley Curry, uh, I, and I missed the video, but on May 2nd, she took a break, a two week break from YouTube and uh, kind of posted a vlog before doing that about 
Well, for one, her health had been declining a little bit. Uh, she's had some very high blood pressure, or I guess ranging blood pressure all over the place, which is obviously not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other part, it just seems like, you know, YouTube has been stressing her out and she wasn't really getting the enjoyment out of it that she was. Um, she kind of discussed in the video how people that watch her channel like don't seem to understand that she's role-playing when she plays and so they're kind of sitting in the comments and telling her oh you should use this weapon oh you should talk to this person oh you should go over here and she's just like i want to play my way don't tell me how to play i want to play this way if you don't like it go watch somebody else Mm -hmm. which is about as plain as you can put it and that's how it should be put because backseat gaming is very annoying for anybody oh man oh it's the worst and just because you're in a comments section doing it doesn't it's no different than having jack sitting behind me telling me this is a crappy horror game and i should be hiding in a box and not going forward it's it's the for some reason gamers are the worst like no i i i fully disagree with that i think it's any hobby like i watch sports all the time people sit there and like oh why you didn't do this why you didn't do that people that watch movies are like this should have been done this way this should have been done that way even authors of books get told this is wrong Nothing, and I'm part of a lot of different worlds uh, online, and nothing seems to have the vitriol, the the veracity of gamers. Like, they, you know, like, bad movies or movies that some are polarizing movies, like, sure, you get vocal critics, but Mm. games you get passionate critics and it's be i think it's because games are a very personal thing to everyone and so if if someone you're watching online is not playing the game as well as you've played it they are gonna let you know about it and ruin it for you always yeah i i mean i think in this case like people are just trying to help her learn and play better Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's out of vitriol that they would be doing it You, you know how can you be mean to you know 83 year old grandmother People are terrible. I don't know. <laughs> True, but <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think it's just more like you know people not thinking about it, right? They just want to help her play better. Like, oh, you might not know about this. Go find that, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it really was. But also like having people constantly tell you, like if she, if she's not asking for the help, if she's not asking for the advice, you don't give it, right? Ooh, ooh, Nick, that that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, you made it. You did it. You fixed the internet. Unsolicited <laughs> advice. Yep. And that's towards <laughs> any creator, really. But there's a flip side to that. Like, if you're going to put yourself out into the world, if you're going to showcase your content, you're going to get critical feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just a matter of the fact, right? You're in a public forum. You're in a public space. People are going to say what they want. But I think people just need to understand, like, Gaming's for everybody. You can play a game however the hell you want. If I want to play Divinity Original Sin on the easiest mode, that's my fucking option, and I don't give a shit what you think. Absolutely. Like If that's how I'm going to enjoy the game, that's great. If Grandma Shirley wants to play Skyrim and roleplay and make mistakes or, or live in a house with her fake husband, you know, like she's talked about in our documentary, <laughs> great, you know? Right. Just like stop stop going into YouTube comments or Twitter or whatever and just stop telling people how to do things unless they ask well, and, for and advice. And that's like the, the flip side. As someone who has streamed for, you know, four or five years at this point, the, the, the chat can be incredibly helpful. Like if you need to know something, you can put that out there and you have the entire knowledge of everyone who is watching mm. pouring into the chat and it can be a great tool. Like, oh, hey, oh, I, this is something I want to do in the game. Hey, chat, what can I do? And then they help you do it. 
the the problem uh, and you know we, we know this particularly because we try a lot of new games on our stream mm-hmm. the the problem is that unsolicited advice you're playing it wrong yep oh if I could kill one phrase it would be you're <laughs> playing it wrong yep no I agree uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate that's it affected her so much because like you know she just she loves interacting with her community and I like you can see that in our documentary. But, you know, the, the, the vlog that she posted, I think, is something that a lot of creators would have the same thing to say. They're like, hey, comments, you stress me out. <laughs> like, just chillax. We're like, we're playing video games. We don't have to play it the way you want us to play it. We don't owe you anything as creators. Yeah. So if you don't like what we're doing, if you don't like what we're watching, don't watch it. Simple as that. It's so easy. It's so easy. There, there. You can unsubscribe. You can unfollow. You can mute creators. Just get if you don't like them, just get them out of your life. It's so great. Yeah. Well, that and just like don't waste your time being vitriol or you know spreading vitriol or whatever. Like just be cool. <laughs> just be cool. Hey, just be cool. Like that's ah, uh, just don't be a dickhead. Like it's just that easy. <laughs> like you don't even have to be cool. You just don't. Just you just shouldn't be a dickhead, right? Like it's it's uh yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that doesn't mean like don't ever post feedback but it's just like you know a feed well I guess feedback is different than saying here's what you should be doing. <laughs> there there's a difference between like feedback and constructive feedback right. where it's like oh you know here's how I am seeing this just a heads up. Mm. Speaking of con- taking constructive feedback from fans, Nick, the goddamn Snyder cut is happening. Even though it's not really the Snyder Cut. Right. Well, you probably know more about this than me, so you explain the news for once, because I'm tired of it. Ugh. <laughs> oh, let, if, I'm going to explain this news by rolling my eyes incredibly hard. Zack Snyder has convinced Warner Brothers to give him a few million dollars to recreate his original vision for his Justice League. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. So obviously, conspiracy theories aside, there never was a Snyder cut. There was his original vision that never happened because he had to leave the project. Uh, You can watch Bob's great video on that over at escapismagazine.com. But now, because Zack Snyder is also really good at selling himself, he has whipped up the internet into a bit of a frenzy and convinced people to give him more money to finish a movie that is it's here's the thing about me nick i'm being honest i am legitimately excited to watch Zack snyder's justice league movie you know why i love terrible movies Uh see i don't remember anything about justice league Mm. i don't remember when i watched it i think i watched it on a flight back from our divinity documentary shoot Okay. That's all I remember. I think I remember. I think I remember. <laughs> no, actually, and- I remember the food I was eating more than that movie because they gave me like mango chutney chicken, and that was really good. The version we got is unremarkable. It's neither bad nor good. It's it's just fine. A trademark. <laughs> we need to make you a shirt that says it's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> It's neither bad nor good. It's very, it's passable. It's light. Nothing has any weight or meaning. Um, it was, it was the best they could do with the stuff they had, uh, with the new director, with new direction within the studio. But here's the thing. Batman versus Superman 
is a far more interesting movie than the Justice League movie because it is so universally terrible. Stupid, yes. Okay. It's, oh, <laughs> it's stupid on so many levels, but that makes it interesting. Has Zack Snyder ever made a good movie? The 300, I think, is a very good movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, his Dawn of the Dead remake is all right in certain parts. Didn't he do uh, Watchmen too? He did the Watchmen, which is uh, fairly terrible. I have not watched that yet. It's. I guess they will not be watching. Well, <laughs> I'm. I'm I've, I've, I, I've seen very, very mixed reception to that movie. You either love it or you hate it. Is what it looks like. And I'm a comic book person, and if so, I'm not. So I'd probably like it then. You might like it, actually. Yeah, because so like I and I love the Watchmen comic book. Uh, I think that that is a comic book that I can read over and over again and always discover something new and wonderful. Mm. And the, the his adaptation of the Watchmen it just it, it literally uh, does away with all of the point of the Watchmen. So, no, I don't think he's a very good filmmaker. I think uh, his take on Superman is terrible. Uh, Batman versus Superman is a monstrosity, but it's an interesting monstrosity. So him making his version of the Justice League gets me excited because I want to dig in and dissect another terrible movie. So good, good for me, good for Zack. I think that's like DC's whole plan now. It's just keep releasing terrible movies that people keep showing up for, hoping they're actually good. And then the whole social media discussion comes after. And now we're, what's the next cut after Justice League cut? <laughs> oh, right. Are they going to are they going to remake J.J. Um, Abrams, uh, The Rise of Skywalker because of fan reaction? Are they going to remake fucking it, like, it? No, nothing matters anymore. I think we I think, are we are now firmly in the age of early access movies, where if it sucks the first time, you can get a remake the second time. Oh fuck, that's good. That's good, Nick. <laughs> uh, no, well, and no, and I I think the, the 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 fact that they are doing this is dumb. I think they should not listen to the fan consensus. I think we talked about this when we talked about the Sonic movie and changing. I think they should listen to the fans though. Oh. Fuck. And why? Why? Not not from an artistic point of view, unfortunately, because that's the view that we would all like to see them listen to the most, right? Right. But there is a huge call for this, and that's and what better way to launch HBO Max than with that? I mean, come on. I don't I don't think there is a huge call for this. I think there will be when they start marketing it. I think that there is the, I, I think this is an act of the vocal minority. I think the vast amount of the general population could give less than two fucks about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think well, again, he is, like that's what I mean. That's what I mean, though, right? They're not going to care that it's a better movie. They're going to care that it's something new. No, I don't think so. I, I honestly, I don't think the casual audience will care. The, the the casual audience, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna see they're gonna see brand new Justice League cut. They're not gonna know about this whole controversy. They're just gonna see, hey. There's something new Justice League related on HBO Max. I want to watch that. I'm going to sign up for that. They might. Who knows? I don't understand people or other humans. I, I do I do fully agree with you that we are in the the time of, like, executives paying too much attention to social media, right? Because, like, what, two, what, what's the stats on Twitter? Like, 2% of the population uses it, 
and I think it's like 80% of the conversations on happen on Twitter are done by like 2% of the audience on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So like all the, everything you see is blown to out of proportion by a small social media thing and people are in their little bubbles sitting on social media thinking this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And not just that, we're we're discovering every day that these mass movements are actually generated by bots on Twitter. So you know that there's someone out there making a hashtag release the Snyder Cut bot just to pump up those numbers. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure marketing companies are doing that. Fuck it all, fuck everything. Not even Russians, but I think the marketing companies are doing that just to see what what kind of audience can we gain from this. Some, some jackass is doing it at home because he's bored. Like it just doesn't matter. So like the point is. Even though I don't think it should happen, I'm excited to watch it because I like bad movies. <laughs> Let me just take a sip of this water cup again. Well, honestly, like, probably my most toxic comment would be that I'd be completely okay with them remaking The Rise of Skywalker. No, just and kill it all. Burn it. Burn it all to the ground. Just burn it. I, I, I just want to see, you know, like, if they took the budget of that and gave Colin Tetrov and let him make the movie he wanted to make. Which one great. is Colin Tetrov again? Uh... New Jurassic... No, he oh, made the... No. He made Jurassic World? No, no, he made that uh, really good-looking little short that they posted a few months ago that was probably better than both of the last two Jurassic movies all combined. Mm-hmm. It was like five minutes of a dinosaur attacking a camper, and it was better than Jurassic World in, in the Fallen Kingdom. Oh, those movies suck. <laughs> but the, uh, to, to wrap this all up, much like comments on your internet videos and comments for major motion pictures, as a creator, we do read comments. We do pay attention to how people are receiving our content and it can be intellectually draining, sifting through all of the muck for anything constructive. So think before you type. Bing! All right, so Nick, I am not plugged into publishers, game developers, video game news in general. I barely know what's happening outside of my office. But you say this is a big deal, the state of video games and leaking. Go. Um, it's not really a big deal. It's more that IGN wrote a very interesting article about how video game leaks affect developers, and it kind of blew up on their site. Uh, we've got a topic on it on our forums that are, that's kind of been going all over the place. Um, and I think it just raises an interesting discussion about video game leaks and how it does affect developers, because it's an interesting point. Uh, and you know, the, the article interviewed some developers to get some of their takes on it. But when you go to social media or the forums, people are like, well, video game leaks are just marketing. Mm-hmm. It's not really the case. Um, so, like, you know, I've been doing this for 11 years now, going on 12, and I'm old. Where's my gray hairs? Uh, <laughs> so, like, I've probably done at least a couple thousand interviews at this point between all the stuff I wrote at LASP, all the documentaries I've done. And uh, a lot of times, video game leaks, like, they may look planned, but they're not, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, so, th- so there's like a di- there's like a difference. So somebody up in the escapist forums kind of brought up like uh, video game leaks only hurt you know the publisher and the studio execs, right? And that's not really true. So when, when you're going into video game marketing and all that, you know developers are, are working on these projects in secret, uh, which is another point that people bring up. Like, why is the industry so secretive all the time? Well, that's because video games change all the time. Like something they reveal in 2020 and it's not coming out to 2022 by 21 it might be a completely different game if they show that off and it's not the same then you get those stupid youtube comparison videos 
you know, all that stuff. So they kind of have to be secretive about it, especially in the age of social media. Hmm. You reveal your game too early and it changes so much and you get all that vitriol, right? And you've seen it. You've seen all that. Sure. I think it, like as a as a fine example, as someone who is was super into Team Fortress 2, mm. uh, they had a, kind of an early prototype for what they thought Team Fortress 2 was going to look like, a more realistic shooter. And they ended up completely switching visual directions into something very cartoony. Yeah, Borderlands did the very same thing. Uh, the original Game Inform article of Borderlands, that game looks complete brown and muddy, like, <laughs> you know, military-style looking shooter of loot. And then, you know, you know what the original Borderlands ended up being with the cel-shaded art and everything. Right. And something we talk about a lot here is how important kind of that first impression of your game is. And if someone is expecting a realistic shooter and they end up with a cel-shaded, cartoony, goofy shooter, uh, you can get pushback. Right. Well, so going back to the leaks part of it, like, you know, developers are just as passionate as the studio execs and the publishers about this stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. as somebody that makes documentaries and all that, like Omar and I would not want our documentary to be out in the world before we want people to see it. Right. Right. And that's the same thing with video games. It's the same thing with movies. Like nobody wants to see their project leak until it's ready and they're happy to show you. Like developers want to release that stuff on their own terms not when you want them to release it (laughs) and so leaks do that a lot and so like yeah some leaks are aren't that big of a deal like a piece of concept art that might reveal the the location of the next assassin's creed you know that just generates curiosity and hype i guess Mm. if you want to put it that way but like kotaku leaking the whole fallout 4 script and giving away the whole story eh, you know that's not great Mm. uh and like the last of us 2 the uh, somebody just recently leaked all that. You know, the entire game is out there, so people are already discussing the story without ever having experienced it themselves uh, and making their own decisions on it. So now the developers have to see all that vitriol over you know people that don't like it, people that do whatever over a game that's not done yet <laughs> or not re- not released yet. Yeah, the entire game leaked, and you know people are judging the story very weirdly i you know whatever i haven't looked at any of that liz leaks because like I, i'm gonna play it and i want to experience it for the first time myself right but you know I, you know it's that can't be easy for like developers that are finishing up polishing a game to see everything leak online uh-huh. and it's like oh great <laughs> you know we wanted to be excited about releasing her game now we gotta look through all this shit sure sure so you know leaks leaks do affect developers it's not just about money it's like it's a creative art for so many people and nobody would want to release their art before it's ready it's just that's how it is i think i think that's a really fair point i I know you were expecting a big uh, argument this time but no i really agree with you here i think that i I think that's a really fair point yeah i I figured you (laughs) no i figured you'd agree with me like we're both we're both creatively inclined and like you wouldn't want an episode of previously recorded going out before it was ready exactly and so like like, you know, that, that's all we're talking about. And, you know, for, for fans, for consumers, we are also living in an age of like Kickstarter and early access where we have the, the privilege and the luxury to kind of follow development through. And that's really mm. nice as long as the creator allows that. So what we have here is a bunch of people who I feel are entitled or feel entitled and want that information. So they take they take the secret information and release it because they say, well, I want to know this now. Why can't you tell me now? Give me, give me, give me. <laughs> right. And that that's like, um, you know, early access like that developer is opening them to be transparent with you because they're also taking your money right away. Right. Uh, pre, right. Pre-orders, though, like 
you know, that's the sketchy side of it, right? You're like, they want you to pre-order a game that you don't know much about yet. Oh, we don't pre-order. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they but they want you to. The average consumer is going to pre-order probably before they know the full yeah. details of the game. So, I mean, there, there has to be a balance to it. But the industry mm-hmm. is just that secretive just because of how, how game development changes. And somebody in the forums is like, oh, well, then that's a problem with game development. It's like, that's any product development. <laughs> Everything goes through iterations. <laughs> yeah. Even our documentaries go through iterations. What we make at the very start, by the end of it, it's a completely different thing, probably. And you can you can have the best laid out plans, and you like if you watch our documentaries, every single developer says the same, same thing. You can have the entire thing laid out. You can have every idea in the world that you know this is going to go the way you think it is. Mm-hmm. And then once you get into the thick of it and something doesn't work and you get to redo it. Like, it's just, that's how it is. No, anyone, anyone saying like, that's a problem with game development. Like your, your final product changing from your original vision has never made anything creatively yeah, yeah. done. Like they probably haven't even built a Lego block. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah, here, take a, a bin full of Legos, make me something, design it first, and then make me it, and we'll see how quickly you change that original design. And if you do it right on the very first try, you are probably the most creatively sound person that ever existed. <laughs> and I want to meet you. <laughs> right, it's, it, I, I, so yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, I think, I think it's, you know, the question for me is like where the leaks are coming from. Is it people like data mining? Mm. Is it internal people who are hoping to, you know, rise up in a different way? Like where, where, do we know where the Last of Us leak came from? Uh, Yeah, it was some hackers that had access um, to it somehow. Sure. So originally, the story was that it came from developers that were angry at the company for the uh, workers' right things that were going on with the Kotaku article that came out and, like, all the crunch that was happening there. Sure. And it turned out to be something completely not related to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, some some leaks are obviously, like, can make you cynical and look pre-planned. You know, like, I think I think a lot of times when concept art comes out, that's intentional. Sure. Unless you find it on, like, somebody's art station. But I think that's also there because they know people are digging for this stuff, right? Any any games journalist that's out there is digging for this stuff all the time. Like mm-hmm. I used to go through, you know, when I was just starting out, like we wanted to find break leaks. Like we would dig through every LinkedIn profile we could find just to find that simple little hint of like unannounced game from Naughty Dog, you know? <laughs> right. Like I would spend hours digging through Twitter feeds, LinkedIn, art stations, whatever we could find. This is another side of it, which is the journalist side of it where, you know, of course... Mm-hmm. There are journalistic standards, there is personal standards, but we all got to make our money. And so you you don't want to be the last one to break the news. And so you have people who are being the first ones, right? Yeah, leak, leaks are extremely lucrative for traffic. And sometimes, you know, it's the developer's fault and there's nothing you can do about that. And as a journalist, you know, you'll jump on that and cover it because... Somebody else is going to if you don't, right? Well, that's what everyone says, and so it's like yeah. I think we can we can. It's the it's funny to me, and you know I'm I'm slightly removed from this, but like it, it is funny to me because we can all respect that, like oh, someone's art is going to be released before they are ready, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. But I got bills to pay, yo. Yeah, <laughs> I got things to cover. That's the news, <laughs> so, right? Like, yeah. there, there's also this, like, kind of two-faced side on on our side of it, right? Yep. And, and I used to cover that stuff, too. Like, I, you know, we used to do that. Um, I kind of stopped after the whole Kotaku thing. I Actually, it's probably part of the reason I'm sure that the media, you know, click or whatever you want to call it doesn't like me. 
is because when when Kotaku got blacklisted by Bethesda for leaking Fallout again, or as Ubisoft, sorry, they kept leaking Assassin's Creed every year. I was like, here's the next Assassin's Creed. Here's what it is. Here's where it's located. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And like Jason Schreier would try to say, this is news. Like, is it though? And that's where I started to question is like, is leaking that news? Like how does that serve the audience other than getting in front of the marketing plans of a studio for a game? Right. And there, and there's, there's a balance there. Like, yeah, it's interesting. I would want my readers to know about it, but the more time I spent interviewing developers and knowing what went into the projects, I was like, "Eh, you know, there's, there's, I don't know anymore. Right. And now like with our coverage on escape is like, we don't really, we'll do some previews and all that, but like, and that's kind of where the three minute reviews came from too, is I got tired of reviews and previews and everything laying out every single detail about the game. Like I don't need to know when I'm reviewing something, like what the fucking classes are, what all the different moves our characters can do. I don't need to know that shit. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where that came from. We're, we're getting off topic with that. You know, I'm sure more of this will be included in a podcast discussion, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the major point is like leaks don't just affect executives right it's the people in the trenches that want you to see the best product they're making no and i and hopefully everyone can understand that that's that's the real thing and even though we all want to know things there is a a sick little part of our monkey brains that want to know things before other people know things but we have to respect people's artistic uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think it's hard with leaks to separate the artist from the business thing right yeah like it's it's all intertwined and it gets weird and blah 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 oh it gets weird all right great let's wrap her up oh yeah somebody did describe what your signal was from last week my what (laughs) your your triangle oh yes my illuminati (laughs) no they said it's a yoni a yoni (laughs) yeah it's a term for a vagina (laughs) oh (laughs) you know what i'm fine with that that's fine I just didn't want it to be a racist thing, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, right. If it's if it's vagina, it's just everybody loves vaginas. That's fine. <laughs> Please don't include that, Omar. <laughs> Seriously, do not include that. God. Don't include it that everybody loves vaginas. What are, are you <laughs> no, saying that you're anti-vagina, Nick? <laughs> no. Is that what you're saying? I am pro yoni. Pro yoni? <laughs> yeah. That sounds. That sounds like a. What do they call it when like a lawyer works for free? Pro bono. <laughs> I'm pro bono, pro yoni. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Jesus. That's our. That's the show. That's so great. Thanks so much for. Uh, We're not finishing on what? That. We are not finishing on that. No, we finished way before that. That's oh god! That. I, just, I think it's funny. I though. just made it so much worse. That's the end of the show. Thanks everybody for coming to the show. This was a fun show. Uh, hopefully, but we'll see. Once again, my name's Jack Packard. I'm a semi-professional video game enjoyer here at The Escapist. I'm Nick Lindra, the editor-in-chief at The Escapist, and now you can find The Escapist show in an extended format on Spotify. Should be iTunes eventually. They're taking their sweet time processing the damn thing. And SoundCloud. You'll find the links in the YouTube comments or on the article page. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear all the bullshit that gets cut out of the show, first of all, you might need to look inside yourself, but it's, you know, some of it's fun. Some of it just needs to be cut for time. Some of it's not so fun. Some, most of it's just me yelling at my cat. True. Okay, so bye! Bye!